0: Welcome to the In Pursuit Podcast. Here we aim to inspire, inform, and entertain. We explore the human side of the workplace lifecycle. From education and career choice, to employee engagement and organizational culture, from onboarding and retention, to succession planning and separation, we dissect the latest trends and interview the top leaders changing the game through their impact, leadership, strategy, and operations. Whether you hail from the field of education, nonprofit, or business, you're sure to find nuggets of knowledge within these episodes. I'm your host, Dr. Melanie Hicks. Let's get started. Hi, and welcome back to another episode of the In Pursuit podcast. I am thrilled today to be here with Kristen Faith. She is a nonprofit thought leader and the founder and former CEO of Break the Silence Against Domestic Violence, one of the most successful domestic violence brands on the internet. Kristen redefined the nonprofit industry after creating sustainable fundraising methods and marketing strategies to reach a vast donor network online before and during the pandemic. Kristen's influence on domestic violence advocacy helped millions of men and women leave abusive relationships. She's been featured on Yahoo, HuffPost, Glamour, ESPN, Money, Bustle, and dozens of other media outlets as an expert in social justice advocacy. Thank you so much for being here. All right, well, welcome, and thank you so much for being here today. I'm so excited to dive into all the things. So uh, the starter question for the In Pursuit podcast is always, tell us something that we didn't just
1: hear in your bio. Gosh, well, thank you so much for having me. I am so excited to just tell you all the things and all the stuff you want to know. Um, so, Kristen Faith is so much more than you know, an entrepreneur. I've learned that wearing multiple hats is okay. And shout out to Rachel, the brand boss for even having a conversation with me to really open my eyes as a fellow, you know, creative, as a fellow brand ambassador, as a fellow entrepreneur. Um, I remember having a conversation with her and she was mentioning to me that, well, why can't Kristen faith be multiple things? Why can't Kristen faith be all the things? And in that moment, I realized that embracing you know, multiple hats and multiple roles that ultimately makes me who I am. So, um, in short, I guess, what do we not know about Kristen? Well, I've been a professional hula dancer since I was three. I've I'm super mixed. I'm so many different ethnicities. I can't even count. Um, and you know, being from San Diego and moving to Colorado Springs makes me, you know, a new kid here in a new town. So gosh, there's so much about me that, you know, let's uncover in the conversation. (laughs) All right. I love it. It's interesting because I had a little note here to ask you about hula dancing because I saw a
0: a beautifully done video on your social media of you doing hula dance on a beach somewhere and, or on a grassy area near the water, I guess it was, but it was, um, and I wanted to ask you if that's something that was unique or something that you have been doing for a long time because you're clearly very good at it, but
1: yeah, I well, thank you. Um, and I actually recently performed for international women's day, um, and just a little short story, because I'm, of all the titles and all the things that it, Kristen Faith is, I've learned that storytelling is like who I am, because that's how you really connect with people, right? So, ah. um, I had the opportunity to put together a beautiful show for International Women's Day, and I was able to perform um, here in Colorado Springs for the first time, and in the journey of preparing for that show, I realized that that was the piece of me that was missing for a long time being in this new city. Um, Cause mm-hmm. yes, I can do nonprofit consulting and I love it. Yes, I love empowering women and bringing them together. Yes, I love people. Uh, you know finding their voice and sharing their stories to help them heal from maybe whether it be a traumatic experience or just sharing their story of who they are. Um, the part of me that was missing in all of that was sharing my culture and sharing who Christian faith is to the core. Um, so the video that you saw actually was uh the week of my wedding, uh, we were getting married in Hawaii and uh, we I had actually performed for my husband at our wedding. So that was actually fun story in the story. Mm-hmm. Uh, the videographer and the photographer, they had my husband like standing behind a tree, like, don't look at his performance. Like, you're not going to see it until the wedding night. Um, but I wanted to perform it for the, the film that we were putting together for our wedding. So all in all, that was actually the song that I performed for my husband.
0: At our oh, wedding. that's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. So did you, do you have... Um, I know you said you grew up in, in San Diego, you're from San Diego, but did you have ties to Hawaii specifically or just family from there or what got you interested in, in that?
1: So my dad was born in Hawaii. Um, Mm -hmm. My grandparents uh, were also born in Hawaii and recently been doing some like digging on ancestry to like learn more about my roots. Um, My, I want to say my grandparents without getting too far into Mm -hmm. ancestry.com, my grandparents, migrated to Hawaii. So long story short, I have a lot of family in Hawaii and um, my dad's native Hawaiian and that's, that's, that's that. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, I get it. I love it. I love it so much. Well, let's pivot
0: and talk a little bit about your work with nonprofits, because I, one of the things I was most drawn to after meeting you, of course, was your energetic personality, but also this work that we share a passion for, which is working with nonprofits and helping them be kind of the best they can be. I I use the term, you know, amplify their impact because it's not really ever about me. It's always about what they're doing and how can I help them fill in the gaps uh, for what they need. So tell us about your work um, with nonprofits and how you help them.
1: Sure. So, Um, Before I even get into that, how the nonprofit work even started, um, I created a nonprofit back in 2011 after I got out of an abusive relationship and was able to do some incredible things um, from raising over a million dollars online to reaching over 200 million people on social media to partnering with big brands like Sephora and so many other incredible companies to really amplify the work that I was doing to raise awareness for domestic violence. Um, And during the pandemic, I transitioned out of the organization because I knew that I wanted to be able to share these gifts with other causes. I thought to myself, gosh, if I could do all the amazing things that I did with my nonprofit for children's museums or health and wellness organizations or senior organizations or cats and dogs, like imagine the impact that I could make. And so transitioning out of that organization in 2020 um, and really amplifying the work that I was doing with nonprofit consulting really probably mid 2021. Um, And since then I've been able to work with so many incredible causes here in the Springs, across the country, and literally across the world. Mm. Um, The causes have varied from deaf and hard of hearing organizations to literally children's museums, to senior organizations, um, to veterans organizations, to civil rights organizations. Um, To be able to share my passion and my gift In a creative way with these organizations is really special. And what makes it interesting is that I don't just help these organizations, I teach them how to go digital. And I was doing that before the pandemic was even a thing. So it really just makes sense to these organizations like, ah, she's been doing it before, you know, we had to do this. And so being able to share my heart and my gifts with them is something really fun and really exciting.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. I love that. Uh, I think that. You know, one of the things that that gets overlooked in the, or maybe taken for granted in the world of consulting, so to speak, right, is that there are a lot of different ways that organizations need help. And being able to find your talents through your own personal experience and then transition that into how can I make that a bigger impact in the world, right, is a really powerful statement. And I talk to women all the time who have this great, who are doing this like super great work, whatever they're doing, or have this really great side hustle or really great passion. And they're not sharing it with others just because they're timid to do so. Um, And so one of the other amazing things that you're doing obviously is, uh, is with your networking organization. So talk to us about that, about how you help, not just in your work life with nonprofits, but helping other women grasp their own um, entrepreneurial spirit and and their own passions and turn that into, you know a bigger, a bigger thing.
1: Absolutely. So what I like to say to people when they're like, so, th- someone told me this the other day and I can't think of who it is in particular. Um, but they, oh, Jen Smith from One Body End, she mm-hmm. was like, yeah, you know, I was talking to someone and you know they were mentioning the nonprofit makeover. And then, you know, someone else was talking about Boss Babe Networking and I didn't put two and two together that you're the same person. And that's what I want. Like, I don't want to be coined as, cause for such a long time with my nonprofit, I was Kristen Break the Silence and I was Kristen, the domestic violence girl. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to be coined as necessarily Kristen, this entity or Kristen, that entity. I'm just Kristen Faith. And I just happen to have a bunch of gifts. And so with what you're mentioning, Nonprofit makeover is one hat, and when I feel like changing my hats, I put on my boss babe networking hat. And those two entities were birthed from the experiences that I was able to build with my nonprofit, Break sounds Against Domestic Violence. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, I loved empowering women and I loved making a difference. And so, what better way to do that than helping nonprofits and then helping women essentially find their voice? And so BBN was created, um, to one, to bring women together, to empower them, to give them a voice and to ultimately create a community that's different than anything they've ever experienced. I want people to walk into our doors when we have an event to feel like this is my community. This is my place. These are my, these are my friends. These are my people. Um, and it's a supportive place and it could be, you know, a vendor event. It could be a multicultural showcase. It can be a photo shoot, whatever it is. Um, it's a space for people to feel like themselves and to feel like they can be around other people that are going to empower them and they can feel that recipro- reciprocation um, in that relationship. So that's BBN in a nutshell. I
0: love it. I love it so much. You know, I, I think one of the things that, that you and I gel on in so many ways is about this idea of hats, right? And there is so much, well, when I was growing up, I'll use my experience only, but when I was growing up, there was this idea that, that if you had a lot of talents, you just had to pick one and go with it because you couldn't, otherwise it was, you know, quote unquote, spreading yourself. I'm using air bunnies that nobody can see, but, you know, spreading yourself too thin. And I've just always been a person who could juggle a lot of things and care about a lot of things and shift gears in, you know, in the blink of an eye. And I'm proud of that. And I spent a lot of my early career kind of denying that fact about myself. And then i would quietly see myself sitting on boards and doing this and that. And I would look at the capacity of what I was doing and realize I was doing quite a lot, but I was, but professionally, I was in this little box, right? If I could only do this one thing professionally. And, and I think that that has gone away over time in general, in society, as we have more of the gig economy, and we see more people who are being freelancers and comfortable in an, a more Ambiguous space than maybe our parents would have been comfortable in, but I also still see people that that don't want to claim. I have a really good friend who's really really talented at something artistic, and her regular life could be the most opposite of artistic, right? She's a data person. She does high level data work, but her artistic talent she's really good at it. And every time I talk to her about like like a business, plan, like you know, I have some boutiques that would probably love this. That she creates a product, a candle product, and um, you know, and she's like, no, 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 this is a hobby. It's not a business and that's fine if that's really what she feels, but somewhere in there, I just wonder sometimes like, could she really love this element too, but feels like she can't do both, right? Like that it, it somehow is in conflict. And I just, I don't, I believe that we're allowed to break our lives up into as many pieces of the pie as we can handle. And if that's one giant pie, great. If
1: that's 10 pieces of pie, that's also great, right? And I think I really love what you mentioned, because in going back to when we started the conversation, uh, when I had that conversation with uh, Rachel and she said to me, and I literally have it pinned on my board here, um, saying that I can be all the things. And it's essentially branding yourself as a multi-talented human being, Mm -hmm. because for so long, like I thought just the way that you did and maybe it was our generation that thought that, oh, well, you have to be one thing. You can't spread yourself thin. But who who gave you the idea that we were spreading ourselves thin? Because right. people to this day, when I see them you know, out in the community and whatnot, people are like, oh my gosh, Kristen, I know you're so busy, but dot, dot, dot. And I'm like, you're right. I, I am busy, but I will say this. I'm as busy as I want to be. Yes. And I have ability and the flexibility and now the skill set and the mindset to be like okay I want Fridays to be my day off I want Mondays to be my let me get into the groove day I feel like Mondays are you know have been traditionally accepted by society as okay hit the ground money gotta go 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 but like I, I that stresses me out like I don't mm-hmm. want Mondays to be I gotta hit the ground running and run full speed as soon as I wake up on Monday um, but what I've learned, also, and maybe it's a creative thing, maybe it's an entrepreneur thing—I don't know. But one of the things that I've learned over the decade of you know being an entrepreneur and essentially working for myself um, is that I, I, how I work is I don't do A, B, C, D and get it done. When I finish A, I finish B. Then I finish C. I actually do the alphabet all at the same time. And I personally like working that way is the most effective. Everyone has their own opinion. I get it. Um, sometimes I find myself working on, you know, the A bucket and then I work on the B bucket, but I feel like I was gifted the skills to really wear multiple hats. And over the last year and a half running BBN and the nonprofit makeover, I have learned to create the balance in my life to be like, okay, I'm going to dedicate X amount of time to work on BBN and the multicultural event, and I'm going to focus on that. And when that's done, what do you know? I have a client lined up with the nonprofit makeover that I'm going to spend the next five weeks diving into my client. And once that client's done, I'm going to have another client lined up. And in that sometimes I have multiple clients that I'm working with, but I think everyone has their own cup of tea. And some people want to sip and finish their tea. And some people want to drink multiple teas or or whole flight of teas. And they have the ability to do so. Yeah, I cannot agree more. I and you know, I have,
0: I think the most important thing is figuring out like what your what your flow is, right? So for me, I make, I still make, even though I have a totally digitized, like long-term um task, like organizer, or whatever. I still make these that you can only see, no one on this call can see, but like these like handwritten to-do lists Same. because yep. there's something to me that's very fulfilling about scratching all those off and messing out the page and crumpling it up. Right. Yep. <laughs> and so and so I um I just I really have to figure out that like if I do all the low hanging fruit first, I never get to the thought work. So I have to I force myself to schedule out a chunk of time to do the deep thought work, or I'll never get it done. I can always find a low hanging fruit 10 minute task to overtake, you know, the, the two hour tasks that I really need to get done. And so for me, it's about calendar management in a way that I know is productive for me. When I have uh, something to write, I've got to chunk out that time and, and force everything else off the plate to do it. But then other days, it is just a it's just a list of 10 minute, 15 minute yep. tasks that just have to yep. get done all in a row. And I can hop from one to the other. And I think that's all about self-exploration and self-awareness and figuring out how you flow, right? And and what 100%. makes you feel good about your day and not stressed about your day.
1: A hundred percent. And I, I think I learned that. Skill because I ultimately feel like it's a skill. Because mm-hmm. um, I see so many entrepreneurs and I see so many people, whether they're working for a business or had their own business. Um, people are just burnt out. And I understood firsthand what that felt like when I was running my nonprofit. And that's probably why I'm so passionate about both BBN and the nonprofit makeover, because whether you're you know, working yourself or whatever, or the nonprofit world, they're, they're kind of the same, essentially. Um, it's just how they work is a little bit different. Um, but I remember working damn near 24 seven, seven days a week. And I'm, i refuse to do that now because I saw what that did to me mentally, emotionally, and physically. And so I want to teach people how to be more effective with their time and to be more intentional. And I tell nonprofits this all the time. I am here to help you work smarter, not harder. I think it's You know, I remember doing the type of fundraisers, which I'm sure you remember, um, or have heard other organizations do this, where they have everyone go to, you know, such and such restaurant and we'll get 10% donated back to the organization. Well, you're rallying people, you're spending dozens of hours getting people to go to that event, but I have, I have a thing that you can do that's going to take maybe the same amount of time, but I will quadruple times a million that impact by doing this. and so why not work smarter, not harder. And that's for both boss babes and for nonprofits. So I implement that in my own life. And that's why I'm super passionate about teaching people let's work effectively and let's not schedule ourselves. So, so thin that you feel like you're drowning and constantly burnt out. Yeah. What do you think about like, where do people start? Um,
0: if you are, let's say working you know, you're nine to five, so to speak, but you have this great passion. Where do you tell people to, where do you advise people to kind of start building out their passion? What's, what's the first step in your mind?
1: The first step is most definitely building a plan. So you, you kind of mentioned it a little bit with your friend. Um, It is, it's about creating the plan, but then also even taking a step before that, you have to believe in yourself. And that for a lot of people is hard to grasp. Mm -hmm. Because whether you're, you know, in IT, but then you really love photography, well, sure, you're going to make a lot more in IT than you possibly would in photography. But who's to say that you can't make that same amount? If you play your cards right, maybe use your IT money and invest it into, I don't know, selfie museums or pop-up shops. I mean, I can talk ideas all day long. Mm -hmm. Um, But there is opportunities. And I think a lot of people that you know, have these passions or hobbies or what have you. Um, it's all possible. Number one, you have to believe in yourself. Number two, create a plan. And if you don't know how to create a plan, connect with someone who does connect with someone who has the ability to sit down with you and take your ideas. Cause that's what I do with boss waves also that women contact me and say, Hey, so this is what I currently have make it work. And we sit down and we talk about what that looks like, what, streams of income do you have with it? Let's talk about other ideas of income that you could bring in that space. I don't necessarily have to be a candle creator or, um, a bath bomb connoisseur to know how I can flip your money. Um, Mm -hmm. and sometimes people don't have those skills because they think it's so far-fetched when in reality it's, it's there, it's, it's right at your fingertips. You just gotta, you just gotta look at it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I love that. So Let's shift gears for a second and tell us a little bit more about how you came to, to kind of your own self-awareness, right? So we talked, um, I mean, you mentioned just briefly about it was your own experience that um, th- that inspired you to start the nonprofit uh, around domestic violence. But what did that journey look like for you in terms of building your own skill set and even, you know, starting a nonprofit itself is, a, is an entrepreneurial venture? Um what gave you, what were some of the, you know, maybe ups and downs and the, the thought process
1: that you went through to decide that this was the path for you? Gosh. Um, well, creating the nonprofit just to even have a little disclaimer, I didn't go to school for nonprofit management. I didn't even go to school for social work. And when I graduated from San Diego state, that's what I did. I went to school for journalism and, uh, in my journey of going through college, I fell victim to abuse. And then I don't know. I don't know. God said, Hey, Kristen, I have a purpose for you and I'm going to need you to show up and do this. And I said, okay, cool. So I remember December 3rd, 2011, I created a Facebook page and that's where it all started. And it's interesting because when I was in that situation, I really didn't have social media. And um, created a Facebook page and started started sharing other people's stories. And I, it started catching fire quickly. People were like, Oh my gosh, you're giving me a voice. Like you're giving me a platform to share my story. And the page grew organically very quickly. Um, about six months later, I decided to share my own restraining order on Facebook and let the world read it. And in that same month, I decided to file to become a nonprofit. We were approved in a week by the IRS and literally, it was history after that. 2013 was our first year that we provided services. 2014, we quadrupled the amount of support we were able to offer. And literally in this journey, I was learning how to do it. I literally learned how to fundraise uh for nonprofits in this type of way. I mean, I did charity work all my life since I was a young kid. Um and learning how to fundraise even more because it wasn't just, oh, $100 here, $100 there. I literally had to fundraise for the livelihood of the organization. Um, and in that, I learned how to fundraise. I used the skills that I was able to learn over the years from doing pageants, how to network, how to build relationships with people, how to talk to businesses, and how to rub elbows with you know politicians and city council members. Um, and so all the skills that I had, the networking, the the fundraising, the, you know, being in front of people, talking, um, all those things that I've learned before doing patents. So basically my teenage and childhood years, I use that and honed in on it in my teenage to adult years, um, and into my professional career on how to do all those things nonprofit-wise. Um, and then of course, that goes to say leaning on professionals, leaning on other people and um surrounding myself with people who have been doing this longer than I have and learning from them. I can tell you so many people back in San Diego that I'm still so inspired by, you know, doing the events that I'm doing here in the Springs. I'm like, oh my gosh, I remember back when I was 18, 19 years old, seeing, you know, Corinne and Dennis Michael doing these uh, events that were putting on huge productions and stadiums. And now I'm doing it. I'm like, I I grew up (laughs) like I, you know, look back at myself like, oh my gosh, like I am still learning till this day. And I get to lean on, you know, professionals like you that have been doing this work and learning from you and learning from other people, um, in different organizations and different scenarios, um, to really get inspired by and learn from your skills and learn, um, essentially kind of how to make it my own and how I can, instead of recreating the wheel, how can I redefine the wheel like domestic violence? I didn't want to recreate what was already established. I just wanted to make it better. And I think that when we approach business, entrepreneurship, life in general, instead of thinking of it as how do I compete with Kristen or how do I compete Mm -hmm. with Mel? How do I fill in the gap? How do I join hands? How do I, you know, fill in the gap in services? And for, with that, everybody wins. And I think when we get out of this mentality of I have to be better than her or I have to be better than this person, um, we get stuck. And I can tell you right now, if you come into the equation with that mentality, you're not going to win. But if you come into the equation with, let's join forces. How do we, how do I learn how to be better? If I have a business and, you know, someone else is doing it, how, how can I, you know, sip their tea and how can I learn from that? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's what makes BBN really special is that I feel like the relationships that I've been able to build with that community of women it's not about competition it's about hey how can we all win together if we're putting on an event okay how can i feature vendors that you know want to get their business out there or how can i help you amplify your social media and create better content for you not oh i have better content and you're gonna you're gonna have not good content i want to see you win and that's i think that's what makes it special about being in this space who where i am now versus who i used to be so
0: yeah, I really do believe in the this idea of infinite pies, right? I think about it's funny, I don't really even eat pie, but I talk about it a lot. Um, I I really believe that when you come to a situation where you believe that everyone that well, well, that the the bigger the pie the better. And the more people involved in an initiative, the bigger the pie versus this is a finite pie. And if I give you some, then I'm losing um something. Because to me, you know, there's a great, um, there's a great video out there about uh, nonprofit fundraising, actually, um, by John, uh, Dan Palota, who talks about, you know, if you, if the bake sale takes, it's, he was, his discussion was about overhead, right? Which is a dirty word in the, uh, an unfortunate dirty word in the nonprofit space. But he was basically like a bake sale that makes $60, but takes home 80% is still not as impactful as the cancer walk that makes $60 million and only takes home 40%. Right. And so thinking about life as just a bigger and bigger pie um, and doing all the things, you know, if it means I give up a little time on my business to help your business in the end, we're all better for it. Right. Versus like, Oh, well if I gave up my time, then it's taking away from my business. It's not like a zero sum game. And I really, I really do believe in the, in sort of the power of collaboration and not being afraid to say, you know, to, to have a really trusted group of um, colleagues and partners and mentors and, and just a circle that you can depend on for different things for different reasons um, and, and let everybody be successful. Like there's so much space for all of us in the world.
1: Absolutely, because let's be honest, like I think that even, even looking at the partnership thing, I think people are afraid of partnership because of money. And I think people are afraid in business to partner with people because of money. If I do it all myself, and I feel like I've struggled with this as well, that, oh, if I could do it myself, then I'm going to make more money. But you can make even more money if you partnered with somebody else. Right. So in I think that with particularly with nonprofits, because I had this um, discussion with nonprofit leaders, I said, why do you think it is the nonprofits don't want to partner together. And, you know, everyone's getting, getting their answers and answers. And ultimately it boils down to leadership. Like that's the, that's the flat answer, but, or that's the, that's the end finish line thing is it's leadership on so many different levels, but from the, from a lot of nonprofit standpoint, people don't want to partner because of money. And it's like, why is it? Why is it about money? Because if I said, okay, I have unlimited funds for all of us nonprofits to partner, what what would the issue be then? Why why is it then? So it's go, the thing about leadership. I think that nonprofit leadership has this mentality that oh, we were we don't have the money to partner, or, or what if they take our clients, or what if this, or what if that? Well, what if we all win? Mm-hmm. Because Let's be real. Not one nonprofit can solve every world's problem. And let's be honest, like we can't as business owners do everything. We can't as a nonprofit consultant. I can't take on a thousand clients a year personally co- coaching clients. I mean, I don't right. know if you can, but um, I can't, I can't do the moon and the stars, but I can you know, hone in on my niche and say, oh, you're looking for leadership development or you're looking for ghostwriting or you're looking for this. Let me tell, let me tell Mel about you because she can do that. I can't do that. Um, and in that space, you're like, okay, perfect. You're great at something. I'm great at something. Together, we can help serve someone and make them even greater. But um, I think if we come to that mentality, I think so much more could happen.
0: I love that. Love that. Yeah, I, I really I also believe that as entrepreneurs and maybe as busybody women, (laughs) entrepreneurs particularly, um, that I am guilty of knowing that I have enough knowledge to be dangerous in enough areas that even if something is slightly out of my comfort zone, I want to do it anyway, right? And there is a piece of that that is great and wonderful. And it's a, and you should want to expand your horizons. You should want to push through, you know, the, the walls that you have to expand your capacity, but there's also some real value in saying, Hey, somebody else could do this better than me. And that's where, you know, I, I laughed at the, before we even started recording, right. That I still need to reach out and actually hire help on some of the, my own social media and electronic and podcasts, processing and just promoting and all of these things. And I still have yet to do it because I know I can do it. I know I'm not doing it to the level I need to be doing it or that I would prefer to be doing it, but I'm getting it done and I'm moving on to the next thing. Right. And so sometimes there is a vulnerability in saying, yes, Hey, I I could really use the help because somebody could really make this a lot better.
1: (laughs) No, I get it. And I think that that's something like I was talking to one of my good friends. I'm saying all these names just so just so when they watch it, like, hey, I, I genuinely appreciate the conversations that I have with so many different women. And I feel like the conversations should be shared so other people can understand. So I have another uh, girlfriend named Monse who, um, her and I did a discussion or had a meeting and we called it an empowerment meeting. And I was like, we need to have more of these with other people where you know, people get into this mindset and I get it. Everything ha- boils down to money. And for example, her and I were having a conversation. I just had questions about QuickBooks and you know, if I called anybody else, maybe they would say, Oh, well, it's going to be a consulting fee. It's going to be a, this fee or a sit down with me fee. And I get it. I respect it. I respect your hustle. We got, we all got to pay bills. We all got to eat. I get it. Um, but at the same time, like, what would it be like if we actually, we're honest with ourselves and like, I can't do my social media because I have a thousand things I'm doing. I can't answer my phone calls or check my emails because I have a thousand things that I'm doing. And if we think about it, if we just invested the money and I I forgot who else told me this, but someone told me that, for example, washing my dog, I can spend three hours washing my dog, but, or I can spend, you know, send him to go get washed and it's a dollar amount. Well, I literally said this the other day. Oh, well, I can do it myself. But if I think about it, what's my hourly rate? And I want people who are listening to this to think about that. Yeah. I want you to think about what your hourly rate is. If it, if you're spending 20 hours a week doing social media and, you're, and hypothetically your hourly rate is $100 an hour, you're spending way too much money on your social media at that point versus, okay, I get it. I should spend a fraction of that price hiring X person. And I'm now gonna be able to make thousands of dollars more money helping clients or doing the high level of things that you're doing. Not that you're too good for social media, but everyone has a skill. Everyone has the ability, whether it's event planning, whether it's social media, whether it's, I don't know, making sandwiches for your event. You're like, you know what? I'm gonna make the sandwiches because it's cheaper if I did it. Let's be honest, queen, like you're not gonna be making a thousand sandwiches for your upcoming gala that you're doing. It's really? easier for someone else to do it. You don't wanna spend this 6,000, but I get it. It's cheaper if you did it, but not really. Like if you look at it from that perspective, right? Uh, that took me a lot of time and a lot of self-reflection and a lot of uh, inner work to be like, okay, I have to be okay with investing the money for other someone else who has the time and the talent to do it. So I can focus on what my God given gifts are. And when we accept that amazing things happen. And that's where partnership happens now where everyone wins happens and it just becomes a a better situation. But even now, like I, I say all this, but sometimes I struggle with it. So it's, (laughs) so this message is for me.
0: (laughs) No, no, the message is for all of us, right. That, uh, you know, when we are the, the King and queen of wearing so many hats, it is sometimes hard to, to have that vulnerability to say, I really, I really deserve to do this for myself so that I, can do stuff for me. I, you know, in my own world, I'm writing a book and it's a really, it's a, it's been a long process. It's been something that took me a long time to to get honest enough to be vulnerable enough to write. And, but it's been a, uh, something I've wanted to do for, well, probably since my childhood. Behind me is this little handwritten book that I wrote when I was 10. And oh. I still have it framed because that was my first book. And I always knew that I, oh, that I, that I would I be a writer um, in some way, shape or form, even though I let my career go all over the map outside of that. Um, but I know I, in my head, I know that I need help with promotion, um, around my book, but I keep saying, well, I need to get it this close to finished. And then I'll hire someone. I need to get it this close to finished. The Mm -hmm. truth is I read enough about the publishing industry and all of the things about promotion, especially hybrid publishing, which is what I'll most likely be doing. Um, and I know that I should already be like investing in the, the pre, promotion of it right but something about it means that then i'm on display right then the book is out there in greater you know, right now it's out there to all my friends and family and obviously anybody listening to this podcast but um but it's not out there for sort of the world that doesn't know me yet to get to know me in that le- with that lens yeah. and if it is that means that i have to write faster i have to invest more time but then again it would offer me more time to do that right if i wasn't handling yeah. social media right so there's this like, you know, crazy vulnerability. There's a lot wrapped up into what we delegate or not. Right. And, yeah. and the reasons for which we procrastinate on that.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. I 100% agree. And then I mean with, I mean, this can take, t- totally take us on a tangent, but you know, I feel like as entrepreneurs and as women, we get into our heads so much about like, oh, well, I mean, for example about your book, oh, if I, if I just, open that door then what if this and what if that and oh my gosh they're gonna think this or they're gonna think that and then you get into your head and you're like okay I'm not ready yet I'm not ready because I don't have a million followers on Facebook or I'm not ready because I don't have this much money and like we put ourselves in like these uncomfortable boxes in our head because that's basically what it is because no one else would have known that oh Mel's not writing her book or didn't announce it or whatever because right whatever reason but you are like you're thinking, oh well, gosh, they're they're probably thinking about this. They're probably thinking this about me or that about me. And it, and really like when you know when you help ho- when me when I host events, I think, gosh, it was so stressful and this was chaos and this that and the other and everyone else doesn't see that, but I felt that. So it it's good. like, gosh, how do we get into that, you know, healthier mindset of. Not being our own worst critic—that's a whole—that's a whole conversation. And it it in is,
0: but a but a good one, right? I um I use the phrase, and a lot of um like my writing coaches and stuff say it's my darling, and I have to kill. They call it killing the darling when you say the same quote over and over again. But to me, it's a mantra, which is that that we hold the keys to the cages we build around ourselves, which Ooh. is so to me so illustrative because I like illustrations, right? because we do, we, we put up those bars, we lock ourselves yes. in these boxes in our head yes. or this idea that people are always looking at us when really people are looking at themselves as much as they're looking at you or more, yes. right? yes. like, you are the person who pays attention to you the most. Right? Mm-hmm.
1: Yes. Cause okay. you've got to look at yourself in the mirror and you, and you spend time, you know, quiet time with yourself that you're like, just constantly I'm nah, 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 at yourself. And you're thinking all these people are thinking all this of me, or what if, what if that, and I do this and I'm guilty of it also that I have a conversation, maybe might be about this podcast, maybe, oh my gosh, I can't believe I said this to you. And I bet you're thinking this of me. And quite honestly, if I had a conversation to follow this podcast, hypothetically, there was an issue, but I, I genuinely have no issue. Um, <laughs> but hypothetically there was and I'm like, gosh, you know, are you thinking like of this of me or do you think that i should have said this better and you probably like hey i have a thousand other things i'm thinking of and honestly i don't even remember you said that and so (laughs) you spend all this time thinking of all this stuff negatively about yourself and in reality it's just it's just bird seeds like it's nothing it's nothing at all
0: right i love it bird seeds
1: and i love it (laughs) i love that we we really do need the
0: video because we're making all kind of fun hand signals that nobody else can see with us. (laughs) but i love it um so as we start to wrap up, I want to um so your your expertise obviously is around the digital world. And what would you say are kind of give give the the top tips and tricks for anyone listening that's really interested in kind of all of the noise around social media and digital presence and digital fundraising and, and you know all of those things? What would you say if you had to narrow it in on like this is you know, my top three to five or whatever of what you should think about, what you should be doing or thinking about or concentrating on or focusing on or whatever.
1: Sure. So I think digitally, whether you're a nonprofit, for-profit, whoever, personal brand, writing a book, whatever it is, um, I think number one, when you think of creating content, it's all about sharing your story. That's what it is. Whether you're talking about cats and dogs or whether you're talking about writing a book or whether you're talking about selling cheetah jackets, whatever it is, it's all about sharing the story and making that connection with the reader, the audience. Um, And that in and of itself sells itself. That's what brings more followers. That's what brings more money in the doors. That's what gets more people to purchase your book. Um, And in that creating content is very strategic. People think that, okay, cool. I'm going to share my story every Tuesday. Um, It's not that it's, there's much more strategy that goes into creating content Um, For me as a content creator and as I guess a content producer, I like to take the individual story and make it make sense for people to ingest um, online. And so what that could look like is taking the idea or the concept and really creating content that matches your voice, your brand, and your message. And so I think that would be number two is when you are ready to create that content and share your story, make sure you're creating content with someone who... Um, not just has a video camera, not just has a camera that's like gonna take pictures of you and here you are. Um, For me, I wanna make sure that it really shows the essence of who you are and what you're trying to promote. Again, whether it's a cause or whether it's a brand or a business. Um, And I think number three would be Um, Be consistent. That's what it's all about. People don't want to see, I mean, sure they wanna see your post today, but please don't make your next post next month. Like it's, you have to be consistent to a degree. Um, And I know that takes time. And so for me as a content creator who works with a bunch of creatives, um, if you don't know who those people are, if you don't know where to turn to, you're like, okay, what? Okay, you're, you're saying all this good stuff, Kristen, but where do I go? contact me whether it's the nonprofitmakeover.com whether it's bossbabe networking.com just holler at me and i will point you in the right direction um because there's a lot of different ways you can get out there and share your content online it could be on your website but it shouldn't just live on your website it should also be on a facebook page and depending on what you're trying to promote um there are different platforms we all know it whether it be linkedin facebook instagram snapchat twitter Uh, whatever. Um, You don't have to be on every platform. That's, that's that part. Um, And so really just having someone that you can lean on who uh, is good at what they do and has experience in what they do, um, you can really propel yourself. And again, it is worth the investment. Uh, Two brands that I'm working with right now, one is an independent artist and the other is uh, Anthem Music Enterprises. And I love it when they are out in the public and they hear their fans or people just you know, talking about them, saying, hey, what you're doing online is amazing. And so many people get wrapped up in the idea of, oh, I have to go viral every day, or I have to have a million followers all the time. It's not that. If you are creating an impact, if you are creating relationships, if you are creating content that people wanna see and they consistently remember you based on the content that you're sharing, that is what matters. So stop being hung up on the numbers. Um, but be hung up on the numbers to a degree, but if you're making an impact, if you're making those relationships, uh, that's just my food for thought for you to know that you're headed in the right direction. I love that.
0: And those are such good tips, uh, for me and others. <laughs> so I know you mentioned it just a moment ago, but, um, your, what's the best way to get in touch with you? You mentioned both of your, both your businesses and, and I know you have a presence on social media on particularly Facebook, but what's the best way if someone wants to get in touch with you?
1: Sure. So um, social media, all things nonprofit makeover is nonprofitmakeover.com, facebook.com forward slash the nonprofit makeover. So everything on social is the nonprofit makeover. Um, as far as boss babe networking, whether you're trying to go on a trip to Hawaii or somewhere tropical or uh, networking and what have you, all the things boss babe networking, um, our website is official. No, that's our social media. Our website is Boss Babe Networking, but all our socials are official Boss Babe Networking. Um, and of course, if that was all too much, you can just go to KristenFaith.com and it has all of that in all of the place. <laughs>
0: I love it. Well, I will also put it all in the show notes um, so people can link to it by clicking um, on any of that. So thank you so much for your time today. So fun, as always, to chat with you. And I am blessed to be in the same town. Uh, Most of the time when I, uh, my podcast guests are all over the, not just the country, but the world. I've been fortunate enough to have quite a few international guests And I don't always get the privilege of also running into you on a regular basis out and about in the community. So I feel blessed uh, by that. So thank you for joining us today. (laughs) Thank you. Yes. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, you can support us by hitting subscribe or providing a rating or review. And as always how can we help you answer the question what are you in pursuit of find out more at www.inpursuitresearch.org